Like, I, these last four days have just been mind-blowing. And uh, the way God kind of puts the cherry on top through the most random things, I, can't, I just cannot believe. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, um, wow. Why don't you guys just real quick, if, if you got your hands free, go to 1 Samuel 19, but we're not going to get right into it just yet. I just That's the chapter we're going to stay in, 1 Samuel 19. Um, I, want, I got a couple quick announcements for you. Uh, this morning, I believe, I believe truly that God is blessing this church from the last three messages over the last three nights, and if you weren't here, you can check them back out online, but... This morning, we're going to close up this season of impulses and promptings with talking about God's presence. It's my desire, I believe, through prayer and seeking God, that he wants us to understand the difference between being washed and being filled. And so I just want to take a moment, real quick, I want to pray. I do have a couple announcements I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, but I just want to ready our hearts. Father, there's no greater worship than acknowledging you. And there are many times, Lord, that we sing songs, but it's about us. And we're asking this morning that even as we set the songs aside, that there would still be a, a resounding song in the spirit where all of us say in our hearts that we acknowledge you. Fill us with your presence. Don't just let your presence rest upon us, but fill us with your presence. And we ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. couple quick announcements. August, what was it, Michelle? August 6th. Uh, it's not up here, but August 6th, we're going to do a church barbecue, as we always do. Michelle, if you're not in the church band and you, and obviously you've been called here, you feel like this is something that uh, God is doing and drawing you to and you want to be a part of the work, uh, we have a, a band that we use to communicate all of our stuff. If you're not there, you'll know somebody who is in there. And um, that's where we do all of our lists for potluck uh, items and things like that. So what we'll do is on August 6th, the church will actually provide the meat. Okay, so we'll get all the tri-tip and the chicken and all the expensive stuff. And then you'll just bring the sides. Is that cool? Yeah. Michelle will organize that in, inside the app. Um, also, we're moving the baptism date from August 13th to August 20th. So August 20th, we'll have baptisms at our house. Um, so you want to download the Pathway Family Church app and you want to sign up there. If you don't sign up there, we can't contact you for that. So make sure you do that. Amen. Um, the other thing is um, we're not going to take time, like a specific time to give today. If you haven't given already, um, it's okay. There's a box in the back you can give there. Also, um, if you want to just put that slide up real quick, you could take a quick snapshot of this. These are the different ways to give, but I feel like what we're going to get into is, is a little bit more important than just taking time for that right now. Um, but it is important. Give as God has put it in you to give. Be generous when you give. Amen. Meaning have a cheerful heart when you do it because you're actually giving to something that's changing the city. You are giving to something that's having an impact in people's lives. Amen. And so just know that there's not a lot of things in this world that have eternal impact. Matter of fact, the only eternal impact is this, Christ, the work of Jesus. Amen? So do that unto the Lord. Um, do you have the declaration so we can read that together and just kind of prepare ourselves for this word? But just say this with me. I confess with all my awareness 
with all my understanding that I need God. Can we just stop there real quick? Fast. You ever been hungry? And you say, I need food. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're still hungry. Out of the mouth of babes, right? <laughs> You're not supposed to repeat that stuff, brother. Hey, just a little side, side note. So I, Michelle and I went to lunch with Chris, Rebecca, and what's your name again? I told you I was going to forget your name. Bryson. Just tell people you're going to forget their names and they won't get mad at you when you do it. I'm just saying. And then they're impressed when you remember. It's like, okay, you get a, you're blessed both sides. But anyway, we're sitting there and the whole lunch, Bryson, this is the face he's giving me. I'm like, why is he giving me that face, man? What's going on? He's just waiting for me to break, right? So I finally laugh. I think it's funny. So he walks in today, right? I'm sitting right there where Sharice is sitting. He walks in and he's you know, he pulled the whole look while he walked in. I said, okay, Bryson, I see you. You're my boy. We like this now. We grew close real fast. Anyways, I need God. And I think that um, it's such a, 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 sta- a powerful statement. Um, but just like the simplicity of waking up in the morning and we don't necessarily understand how appreciative we should be for God's provision, right? Not that we woke up, and I said this I said this the other day to somebody, not that we woke up and we have another day, because to be real honest with you, that's not the hope. The hope isn't that we have another day, because the day's going to end. We're, there's going to come a time where there will, be ne- there will not be another day, right? It's sober reality, but there will not be another day, but that we have him through the day. That's, that's the real appreciation, is that If God is going to give me another day, I don't want to be grateful for the day. I want to be grateful that he's with me in the day. That's powerful. So when we say I need God, it kind of resets everything, right? If if we were in an argument and we realized we need God, it resets everything. Um, So I just, I want to go back to that last slide. and, And just as we slow down, we'll start with all my understanding what? I need God. Let that settle in. Let's go to the next one. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I can be nothing. And without him, I am nothing. Without him, I have no way. I have no truth. I have no life. Through Christ, I find freedom. Through Christ, I find peace. Through Christ, I can do all things. I was made with purpose. I was made with a plan. My purpose is to know God and his plan is to know me. He did not create me for earthly pleasure, but I was created only because he is loving. By knowing that, I now confess my life is not my own. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. And so I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. As long as now is now, I will profess that God has called me and chose me. In Jesus' name. We've been walking through a powerful season of teaching, but I think the most powerful part about it is the fruit that's been evident afterwards. You know, it's uh, when we we talked about jealousy a couple weeks ago, all I heard all week long and even up to this present day is how God has been shining a light into what the difference is between human jealousy and God's jealousy, whose name is jealous, right? But in that uh, space and time, as we were going through that study, 
the Lord began to prepare me for this message. It's, we're going to talk today about God's presence. So we, when we talked about jealousy, we were reading out of 1 Samuel 18, and we actually saw in 1 Samuel 18, 9, that Saul, the king at the time, began after he saw the favor that was on David's life. It was right after the, the women came in singing a song, and the song that they sang was, Saul has killed thousands and David tens of thousands. And Saul says, wait a minute. They're crediting me to thousands, but him to tens of thousands. Next, they're going to make him their king. And 1 Samuel 18, 9 says, from that moment forward, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. A jealous eye. Um, in Acts 8, 18, and you can read after that, there's a, another account of Simon the sorcerer. And he sees that Peter and some of the other believers are being used by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's powerful things taking place. And in him, he goes, I want that. So he goes and approaches Peter, and he offers to buy what he saw, meaning he offered to purchase the Holy Spirit. Now, you can keep your finger in 1 Samuel 20, but if you want to just kind of, with your own eyes, read along with me over in Acts 8, you don't have to, but I'll jump there real quick so we can read it. He says these words. This is what Peter says in Acts 8, verse 20. But Peter replied, this is after he said, I lay my hands on people so they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you First of all, if you ever heard somebody say that in today's time, you would think the person who says it is self-righteous. But what makes a self-righteous person self-righteous is that they leave no room for reconciliation. You can tell somebody something harsh, but if you leave no room for reconciliation, you became the judge. So Peter's not telling him that he can't have relationship with God, he's just bringing the truth to him, leaving the door open for whatever the response is going to be. But listen to what Peter actually says to him. He says, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. May your money be destroyed with you. I actually, in the spirit, won't get offended by that statement in the spirit because I understand that Peter would be talking to my flesh. I understand that when Peter gave that rebuke, it was no different than when Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. See, Peter was talking to the flesh of the man, and he was saying, may your flesh be destroyed because it's wicked, along, if he could, with mine, because my flesh is no good either. Nobody has a holy flesh. Now, now watch what he says. It's powerful because he says, you can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see. Say, I can see. So now this man has said nothing more than I want to buy it. And it's funny to me that when God still today moves in people who are full of the Holy Spirit to tell them what other people are actually thinking, we think that's stopped for some reason. 
But if you're walking in the spirit and you know the nature of the flesh, you start learning what the flesh is capable of saying and what it will actually say when it's operating in its nature. Right? Let, let me just give you a test here. Okay? If we're in the flesh, we're not in the spirit, we're in the flesh, we're full of all this stuff, and we get angry. We get angry. Just anger. Let's just talk about anger. Can you right now, in the thought of what anger fuels, think of what people would actually say? And you probably would be right. I'm sure people who get angry don't go, I love you. <laughs> right? I'm being gentle right now, right? People who get angry say cuss words and curse words and I hate you and they, they throw a temper tantrum because anger is fueled by jealousy. Because jealousy is saying, I own that, I want that, I control that, and you own nothing, though you want everything, and you control nothing. God owns everything. God controls everything. And we want his control. We want to be able to change people. We want to be able to whatever. And we're fueled with anger, and it causes us to know what the flesh is capable of doing. So what makes you think, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, that you can't discern the flesh of people or what their thoughts are? He says this, I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. By sin. Nobody signs up for this kind of ministry. Nobody signs up for this. Nobody signs, says, I want to come to God so I can tell people about their sin. But the Spirit of God points out and highlights everybody's sin. What marks a true move of God is repentance. And it's not a one-time repentance at the altar where you confess and come to Jesus. It's a lifetime of constant just repentance before God that you're capable of being this way without God. Say amen, church, because I know this is, this is cutting. So you see Saul has jealousy because he wanted something he couldn't have. And you see, Simon the sorcerer has jealousy, even though the scripture didn't say it the way that it said it was Saul. He, God still used Peter to say, I see you're full of bitter jealousy. Now, in James 3.14, it literally says that where there is bitter jealousy, bitter envy and jealousy, there you find every kind of evil. Now, think of every kind of evil. Just where does your mind start going? Right? It goes to all the extreme stuff, right? That plus the most evil thing that anyone can ever do. Are you ready for this? The most evil thing that anyone can ever do is not acknowledge God. Even demons acknowledge the Lord. But in Romans, it teaches us that humans say it's foolish to acknowledge him. And because of that, God left them, abandoned them to do evil things. Now, you're a human being with this free will and this thing that, you know, people brag about. I chose God. Okay. Maybe after he did the first thing. But they want to brag about their righteousness, but they forget their unrighteousness. 
It's the backdrop of your salvation. The backdrop of our salvation is that we were once blind and unbelieving. So here, we used to call it foolish to acknowledge God. We used to say, don't acknowledge him. Don't talk about him. Only God can judge me. And then go on sinning like he wasn't watching. Right? We're all guilty. So the worst thing in it that can happen is that creation not acknowledge God. And humans are the only ones that do it. Everything in all creation acknowledges God. So the most blasphemous act of humankind is to deny he exists. It's worse than murder. It's what fuels murder. It's what fuels adultery. It's what fuels sin of every kind, idolatry. It's the fact that he doesn't exist because if I can say he doesn't exist, then no one's watching me and I can govern myself. Jealousy. Why am I putting such like emphasis on this area? Because everybody is jealous. I remember one time I was in the gym. I'm telling on myself. Remember one time I was in the gym. <laughs> it sounds so funny now, especially in this context. It sounds really funny. But I'm in the gym and I'm doing squats. I'm not going to do one, so I don't trip. <laughs> but I'm doing squats. I only had, you know, three plates for each side of my bar. All the other plates were gone. All of them. Everybody had everything else, right? I'm on a squat rack. I'm thinking three plates. This is ridiculous. All the plates are gone. So I got three, and, I'm, and they're on both sides, and I'm on the machine, and I'm doing my squat, and I'm not a small person. I, I realize that, you know, one plate on each side, people are going to think it's probably going to go heavier. I put two plates on, and I'm, I'm doing what I... And a guy comes and takes my third plate. And I rack the thing and I said, that's my plate. But it's not, it's GB3's plate. But that's jealousy. Do you see that? How jealous we are for control? Why am I putting an emphasis on it? Because we all have it. We all are guilty. God is saying wherever that is, is every kind of evil. If there was no laws, if there was no, nothing, no moral standard, I would kill somebody over taking my plate. That's, that's what Cain did to Abel. Because he was jealous for what wasn't his. Now, Side note, be content with what God's given you. Amen? Yeah, Side you. note. Amen. I'm 5'7". I got to be content <laughs> with what God has given me. I still believe in miracles, though. Miracle grow. Let's go, Lord. Shoot. But you got to be content. <laughs> you got to be content with what God's given you, man. I love you, babe. First Samuel 19, we're going to read through this chapter, but I wanted to just lay that there because as we go into God's presence, let me, let me just ask this genuine question, and I want you to answer genuinely, even if you don't know the magnitude of the answer. You just answer purely like a child. Do you want to be filled with God's presence? Just yes. do you want to be filled yes. 
Okay, let me just give it to you right now. It's not going to come by reading. If that were the case, I'm going to stop preaching right now and we're just going to read the Bible. Because if that's all I need to be filled, what the heck am I doing preaching? What's the purpose of all the parts of the body if, if that's all it is? Hey, here's another. It's not through worship. It's not by coming up here and singing songs together. That's not going to fill you with God's presence. I know it's hard because you've been taught different. But how many times have you been in a worship service and felt the presence of God and left the same? See, the infilling of God's presence, you don't leave the same. And let's be honest, church, how many of us have gotten that when we were alone? When you were in a desperate place and you cried out to God, it wasn't in a service. You got filled in the time when you said, I need God. It, and I'm not talking about um, when you first recognize it. Because a lot of us, when we first recognize it, we walk away and still test God. I'm talking when you're done testing God. It's that old statement, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm so tired of being tired and telling everybody how tired I am of being tired about the tiredness that I've had. I'm so tired of that. I'm tired of this right now. I'm tired of you. I mean, you're just done. You're like, nothing I can do. And it's at that point. It's at that point of desperation. It's at that point of dependency. You're saying, God, I can do nothing. I can go nowhere. There's nothing. I, everything I've tried, as a matter of fact, I thought it was you, and then I realized it wasn't you. And now I'm really asking, if you're real. And this might come 30 years in your walk with God, right? Been going to church for a long time. Ah, I can't take this. Why are you questioning your faith now? Have you been filled? The other thing I want to say is there is no such thing as one-time filling. It's, it's over and over and over. I mean, man, if marriage worked on just saying I do and then you can go your separate ways and live a happy life, but you have to say I do every single day and the times that you have to say I do where they really matter is when you want to say I don't. So the difference between being touched by the presence of God and being filled by the presence of God is being filled actually changes you. It actually does. And I'm hoping that we can see that in this chapter today. So go to 1 Samuel 19, starting in verse 1. Do you feel the presence of God now? Because I'm telling you, he's here. I'm telling you, if you ain't got a conscience, I pray God wake up your conscience. And if your conscience is seared, I pray he clear it. If there's a hardened heart, I pray Ezekiel 36 come to life in you that he will take the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That he'll take his spirit and put the spirit that he owns in you so he can have you. Oh, man. There's a difference between being owned by God out of relationship and being owned by God in relationship. They have different consequences. You know how the Lord be moving in here. I... I can't move forward until the Lord is done with the heart. There needs to be complete unity, at least in that we're acknowledging the Lord. And there's some of us in here, we're still wrestling. Maybe you're online, you're still wrestling. I can't go forward unless you release that. You can tune off if you need to. You can walk out if you need to. It's no disrespect. I wouldn't feel offended. But what I am saying is in the presence of God, recognize the Lord. Recognize what God is actually doing right now. This is not just a 10-point sermon, a five-point sermon. 
This is a divine time from God that he sets in time so that we would actually experience what he's saying. When Simon the sorcerer came and wanted to buy the Holy Spirit, it's because he actually saw there was something going on. So hopefully, when you're looking around right now and you're hearing the sound of my voice, you're removing the flesh, the vessel, and you're hearing the Lord. Position the heart, Father, do it, because only God can do this. What I'm about to read to you is mind-boggling. Your human reason cannot understand this, but by the Spirit, you can come to understand it. So my hope right now is that the Spirit would even fill you now for understanding. Amen? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of the Lord is here. You guys came over the last couple days, right here, this family, right? How did you guys hear about us? These guys, they dragged you here? Josh, what are you doing? Oh, Kevin and Jen. And what was your name, brother? Raul. Raul. B. Do you love when the Lord moves? I don't know of a time in my life where I didn't need him. And when you meet certain people, it's like their life expresses that that's where God's kept them. You meet other people and they mimic and they talk and and there's a disingenuineness in, in their heart. There's a flattery right? Well, they'll put on all the, all the stuff, and you know what I'm talking about. And, and they'll put on all the, hey, yeah, God's good. Praise God. Ooh, they'll point their fingers. They'll do all of that. You met them before. You might even been that before. I know I was. I'm not proud of it, but I am grateful for the, the true work of God. I want to say to the two of you that despite the, the history of church that you've had, despite the hurts that you've endured and the pains that you've endured, I praise God right now, and I don't even know you. I haven't talked to you. You can call Kevin and Jen. I haven't, talked to, I haven't talked to them, but I know right now God has preserved your faith. God has kept you from becoming bitterly jealous. And there has been times when it was, you know, like you could have gone there, but because of God's goodness on your life, he's kept you from becoming that. You should rejoice, even today, if you get nothing else from the service, that God has acknowledged you right now before his throne because your faith is genuine. You know he exists. You know he's real. He's proven himself. You've seen the miraculous power of God. You've witnessed it. Therefore, don't let the the turmoil and the pain come and try to rob from you what God has kept for you because he has kept you guys from falling away. He has kept you from, from, from devouring each other, and he has kept you in the faith. I'm serious, church. We should praise God when God stops and acknowledges that because that same work that he's done for you, he's doing for everybody who belongs to him. Amen. And you guys know the word of the Lord comes from here. A lot of times it's correction, right? And there's, there's prayers in my heart and my mind right now for this congregation right now because I know that the Lord sees our hearts. But be encouraged, be of good cheer. Know that the same Lord that's kept you alive, the same Lord that's given you that other day, not so you could have another day, but that he would be with you in the day for the purpose of your children and the purpose of the work of God going forward, that same God is keeping you even now. May that encourage you today. You needed that. Amen? Did you need that? Glory to God. All right, where was I before I got sidetracked right there? We haven't even started reading yet? 
Oh, Lord. All right. Let me give you the nutshell then <laughs> from verse 1 to about verse 17. You can read that on your own if you want, but we'll start in verse 18. But in a nutshell, Saul has a son named Jonathan. Now, Jonathan ends up having a heart for David. You'll see that later on as we, as we walk through a few things. But Jonathan ends up having a heart for David. And Saul tries to hide from Jonathan his motives. Saul tries to hide from Jonathan, his own son, his motive to want to kill David. Remember, in 18, it already said in Saul's heart to keep a jealous eye on David, right? But Jonathan's pleading for Saul, like, look at all these things that David's doing. Look how God is using David. You don't want to kill him. And Saul takes a vow, a lie, and says he will never do it. But in his heart, he had planned the whole time to kill David. So in this, we're coming up to 18. And uh, let me see. There, there's one part I do want to read real quick just so, so we can see it. Um, right here. Matter of fact, we're going to start in verse 6. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Verse 7. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. Verse 9, but one day when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from what? This is why I... I struggle sometimes when people try to silence this reality of our God. When, when we try to take our eyes off of God in the midst of chaos and act as if that chaos is happening without God's understanding of it. Let me read it really slowly again so none of us are confused. Saul has a spear in hand and the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. Because remember when it came upon him in 18? So a tormenting spirit from the Lord comes upon Saul again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled the spear at David, but David dodged out of the way I would say the Spirit of God helped David to dodge. <laughs> and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Do you see how God has orchestrated this to show his own sovereignty? The people hate this message because they're afraid that it'll cause people to start doing whatever they want. Listen, this isn't purge, okay? The world's like that, but we're talking about the Lord right now. Those who are full of the Spirit won't have the evil thought of using the freedom in the Spirit to sin more. So we can't be afraid of those who are not in the Spirit that God has allowed to be there that's going to then take the purity of a message and twist it and pervert it. They do it anyways. So the best thing that we can do is tell the truth. 
that if you're operating in a, a spirit that takes the truth and perverts it for your own selfish gain, may the Lord have mercy on you. But for those of us that have the spirit that are not using it for that, may we continue to preach with boldness for the sake of Christ and for the freedom that comes when you preach with boldness. But the reality is that Saul got overtaken by a tormenting spirit that the Lord sent. And here we have David escaping. Now, verse 18 says, so David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel. And he told all that Saul had done to him. Then Samuel took David with him to leave at Naoth. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naoth and Ramah, he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived, <laughs> this is so crazy. You know how like this was crazy? This is crazy. Let me just tell you the story, okay? So I know Pam, love Pam. Met her in the gym. Pastor Kevin was talking last night about the, you know, loud octave. <laughs> she can attest there was a day I was being loud. And she came over and nudged me and said, amen. I like, what, I like that. Amen. I like that you guys are all doing that. And from there, it's history, right? We just, every time we see each other, there's no like, I can't not look at Pam. It's like, you know, you walk into the gym and you look for all the people that you know, you can't help it. And so we, we talk every day, literally. So Pam decides out of nowhere to show up today right? Unannounced. Told her she should come at some point. She said, oh, I'll see. I was she comes today. We all know Rashawn, right? Rashawn's in the back holding the camera right there, but we love you, Rashawn. Rashawn decides to invite his aunt, his aunt and your name is? Married to his uncle. And your name? Judy Rogers. Judy Rogers. Okay, so Rashawn decides to invite Judy Rogers, his aunt, and she just so happens to come today and just so happens to be Pam's mother-in-law. Had no idea. <laughs> That's called sovereignty. It's called confirmation. God giving us a living example so we cannot deny the written example. There, there are some places that only preach of what's written, but they don't have the example as it is living. living. We have a living example because God does this all the time here. So when we know that God puts tormenting spirits on people, he also unites people in, in the faith. So take this word right now, because I really believe, pathway. I'm talking now to Pathway. I'm going to talk to the, the local community. If you don't have a local community, may you find one, and may they be just as passionate for Christ as we are, because we would hope everybody would be that way. But I'm talking to my church family right now. God wants us filled with the Holy Spirit. He does not want us just coming in week in and week out just dipping and filling his presence. He wants us filled with his presence. Amen. Now listen to this. <laughs> Saul hears, right? And he sends his troops to go capture him. He sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God, say the Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Don't you love the Spirit of God? I love the Spirit of God. And I mean, I love Him even when I don't want to love Him. Because there's times when He's there and everything's exposed. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm like the Wicked Witch of the West. You know what I mean? Melting, melting. I mean, the water is just. 
I don't know where this stuff comes from, guys. You just pray for me. The spirit of humor came on me. I don't know what that is. But the spirit of God, watch this, came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. Watch this, verse 21. When Saul heard what happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived, in, and arrived at the great well in Saku, where Samuel and David, he demanded, they are at Naoth in Ramah. Now watch verse 23. But on the way to Naoth, the Spirit of God came even upon Saul. And he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night prophesying in the presence of Samuel. And the people who were watching exclaimed, what? Is even Saul a prophet? I really pray right now that the Spirit of God pull back the veil and show us all what's happening here in real time. That we would not walk away like this is a powerful story. We serve a powerful God. That he's alive right now. And I have to bring this word today because this has both individual implications. This has fa fa familial implications. This has city implications, nation implications. This has worldwide implications. This, this one thing that I'm talking about right now, God is so jealous for. Our God is a jealous God whose very name is jealous. He is so, so jealous for what I'm going to tell you today. One of the things that grieves God is the false appearance of being filled with the Spirit. It's, it's, it's the falsivity of it. It's people waving flags and, and doing all these ex external uh, uh, things, but internally, they're just like the Pharisees. Internally, they're whitewashed tombs. Internally, they're empty. They're not filled, guys. And I recognize that it can seem biased to what I'm saying. That I'm like, as some reason, I'm like puffing up pathway. But only somebody who's in the flesh would think that. Only someone in the flesh would think that I'm trying to be a narcissist right now, trying to say that somehow I have something special. Only someone in the flesh would do that. You can't do that. And if you are doing that, there's mercy for that. It's not, I'm not even judging that. I'm just saying we've all been that. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not comparing Pathway Family Church to the church down the street. And I'm not comparing my faith to your faith or our faith to their faith. This is not about comparison. In the spirit of God, there is no comparing. There's no division. There's no thoughts of jealousy or self-preservation. In the spirit of God, there's no competing. There's no argument. There's just the, the Lord. There's just God. So as I'm expressing this to you today, here's the reality. Here's the reality. 
May it never be said of us, Lord. May we be, a, may we be found by God to be a pure work of God. May that actually be what's here, okay? That's the desire. But what's actually happening in today's time is people are, they're filling God's presence, but they're not filled with his presence. They're like Saul, okay? We're like that when we're full, full of bitter jealousy. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You've had times when you just came out of church or just came out of prayer or whatever, and then your whole prayer life was to tell God how to change them. Like, why is David like this, man? Why can't you just change him, God? He's a pest, always succeeding at everything. Why can't I succeed? Everything he touches turns to gold. I just got silver. Like, like, he looks blessed, but I'm king. No, no, I'm going to say it again. He's not the king, and he is favored. I'm the king. I'm supposed to be favored. Let me put it into context. I'm the pastor. Why are you using the sheep? Everybody say amen, because you know that's real. I'm the anointed one. I hold the power of the pulpit. I come up with the logo designs. I come up with the outreach ideas. I go pick up the big screen TV to give away, and I put my face saying, come to church. I did all that. Why are they blessed? What would you do all that for? Every pastor should be living so the sheep could be blessed. Amen. <laughs> even if it costs you, even if you lack. You better cut your hamburger in half and share it with them. You better cut your house in half and share it with them. You better cut your bank account in half. You better empty it all. If you a true pastor and a shepherd, you better share everything. Everything. And see how that sounds arrogant? To people who aren't doing it, to people who are trying to find a balance to have their cake and eat it too, what do you mean? I'm just, come on, that doesn't sound logical. That's not practical. No, but it's spiritual. It's very spiritual, and every one of us should be hearing this right now. Just because you show up, you go wanting to be where Jesus is, that does not mean you're going there with the right intentions. It does not mean that when you come to church or you go into fellowship that you have the right intentions. Some of us are coming to pray for our enemies, but not because we love them. Some of us keep taking our spouses to the altar, but not because we love them. Some of us keep taking our children and our goals to the altar, but not because we love them. See, we're not concerned about those things. We want control. We are jealous that there's somebody else or another way, I should say, because that's what David represents. He doesn't just represent a person. He represents the Lord because through David was going to come the promise. So he had, there was a way coming. And there was a way in Saul that wanted it to be a different way. And, and that's what the jealousy is really all about is there's only one way. Maybe bring back that old song. One way. Jesus. 
only, right? When I was a youth, that's, that's what we would sing, but there's truth in that. In a world that wants a thousand ways to God, they want their own way to God, and they even feel the presence of God while filled with the tormenting spirit. The scriptures say that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Evil spirits bow right now and confess that he is Lord. But just because your knee bows does not mean you're filled with God. Now, now when you hear that, right, can I just help some of us through some things real quick? Because it's a lot stirring. It's a simple message, but it's deep and it stirs up so much. But can I, when you hear that, here's what's going on in your mind. I'm going to tell you what you're thinking. <laughs> here's what happens in the flesh. No, nah, that's not me. That's not me. No, no, that's not me. It's not me. I, I, I'm not like that. That's somebody else. He's talking to somebody else in the church. That's what's happening. That heart posture, slow down with me. That heart posture is from your flesh. Because it's, it's a way of thinking. It's not, a sp it's not the spirit of God. It's your flesh. You're so afraid of the reality of it that you're trying to back away from it at 1,000 miles per hour. You can't. You're stuck. Wherever you are, there you go. You're always there. And look at your, just look at your neighbor. Look at them. Look at them. That's you. So if you say it's for them, guess what? You're saying it's for you. All right? So that's the first thing that's happening is we want to back off from it. The Lord is saying, don't back away because when I expose your nakedness, when I show you who, who you really are before my throne, you should throw yourself at my feet so I can come and, and I can fellowship with you. Don't go running from what's inevitable because you will stand before me no matter what. Every single one of us. The second thing that's going to happen in the flesh is when you hear that, you say, well, then who can, who, who can do anything? You feel so cornered. You ever felt that way? Like you try to, you know, it's like that spotlight. <laughs> you know, in the movie, they, go, they get you, the cops get you, and you try to run and like, eh, the spotlight's on you. You can't get away. Finally, you're like, fine. You see me. You start wanting to hide. Not just move. You start wanting to hide. You get internally a spiritual fig leaf because you're naked before God. He just came and showed you that you can't buy his presence. You can't pray your way into it. You can't, you can't work your way into it. That God's presence is his to wield. And if he decides to throw it on a saw, to manifest it, to show you that he is in control... What it does to everybody who at least has the spirit of God and knows, it makes us worship him and we get down in our hearts and we lay flat on, on our faces in our hearts and we're saying, holy, holy, holy is the lamb of God. Have mercy on me because it is deserving of me to be destroyed, yet you show me kindness. That should be happening right now. That should be stirring right now. And then here's the last thing that's gonna happen. You're either gonna relate to David or you're going to relate to David. <laughs> Your flesh doesn't want to relate to Saul. We're narcissistic. We are. That when we read this story, we immediately want to get away from the reality that we are all Saul. 
We, we all are depraved and fallen and lost. And without the mercy of God, we're left there. Do you remember there was these groups of people called the Pharisees <laughs> and the Sadducees? And, and do you remember what, what happened when they saw Jesus? <laughs> what they wanted to do to him? And what they did do. And we think we're better than that? When's the last time God told you to lay something down and you built it even higher? When's the last time God beckoned you to truly surrender instead of taking things into your own hands and instead you put more things in your own hands? Are we all guilty, church? Okay, so let me speak to the other side now body of believers, the ones who have been redeemed, the ones who are filled with the Holy Spirit, the ones who know that God has been truly, truly good to you. Can we really take credit for it? No. So, so in the filling of the Holy Spirit, here's the truth now. The mark is the opposite of the, the mark of someone who doesn't have him. I told you earlier that jealousy drives this thing where we say there is no God. We don't acknowledge him, okay? And I'm gonna just go really, really wide and I'm gonna bring it really, really narrow just so we can have a broad perspective and may whoever gets it, get it. I mean, if you're a child, like, a child uh, uh, in the faith and you don't really understand a lot of it, don't trip. What you can get, God will give you. That's the portion. But if you can handle more, may the Lord help you, right? Here's the truth. If you're filled with the spirit and you know that you could take no credit, then that means you're acknowledging God. That is the identifiable marker, truly, of someone who's filled. But it's not that they acknowledge them in front of people. Mm. 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 Makes me want to just, mm -hmm. can we just do a dance real quick? Because it's not that they can do it here, Right? It's not that if I come to you in front of everyone and under the pressure of eyeballs, I go, do you believe in God? And you say, yes, I do. Because you don't want to say no, you're in church. Right. It would be weird. No, I don't. You're my wife. You're a pastor's wife. <laughs> it's really strange. But it's when you're alone. It's when you're alone. And you look at God. And it's in light of who you are. It's, it's in light of who you are that you go, you are God. And, and in that simple heart posture, there's a, you are God, and, and I am not worthy of this relationship with you, yet you choose me? Who is man that you're mindful? See, Saul didn't have that anymore. He lost that. That, that wasn't in his heart. He said, I am man that he's mindful of me. I am king. My prayer today is that the, the presence of God would no longer be an idea that we hold or this concept, that, but that his presence would be really tangible, right, in your life. That when you're angry, the presence of God would subdue your anger that you would now overcome not just sin, but the power of it. Yes, amen. The scriptures say that you are no longer under the power of 
sin. God has set you free from its power. Therefore, the power of God has to be in you for that to be true. It can't just be upon you. It must be in you. Now, I'm not going to go through a lesson on how to do it because I'm being real with you. can't explain it. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of me, changing my life daily, talking to me, leading me, guiding me, convicting me, telling me the future, telling me things to come, telling me what I should and shouldn't do, and then not giving me the burden of doing it, but empowering me with what I need to do it. God working in you, giving you the desire and power. That's what Philippians 2.13 means when it says, work out your salvation. Brothers and sisters, ask him now. Don't wait till the service is over. Be open in your heart now. Fill me, Lord, with your presence. Fill me with your, I need God. See, I need you. I'm gonna read this one more time. Just listen to this. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night prophesying in the presence of Samuel. He tore off his clothes. Now, don't start doing that. Some of us, it's not literal here, but it was literal there. And to be really, really honest with you, if V came in and did that, I wouldn't be surprised because I would know that it would be true. And if you don't know V, he's, just, he's one of the homeless guys who walk around here. And if he came in and just did that and stripped down and said, the Lord is the Lord, and he just started prophesying God's goodness, I'd say, don't touch him. Block the kid's eyes, but listen to what he's saying. Because it would only be God for it to be real. But here's the truth. That's spiritual. Right now, tear your clothes off. See? In your heart before God, you don't need to shout like me. You didn't even listen to me. In your own heart before God, just tear them off, lay before God, and just say, holy, 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 holy is the Lord. That's what you should be doing on the inside when you hear something like this. You look at your life, you know what's in order and what's out of order. You know what's going on with your life. You know when you're lusting and when you're not, when you want this or that or your selfish ambition. You should strip your clothes off and say, God, you see all things. Oh, my goodness. If the church would just, oh, Lord, do it. If we would just be transparent. See what I mean? And I'm going to close with this. Because God already saw everything about Saul. He didn't need Saul to do that. Saul needed Saul to do that. You don't need, God doesn't need you to do that. He already knows what's in your heart. But the true transformation is that even though you know he knows, you're going to make sure anyways. You see, you're going to go all the way with it. You're not going to just wait for him to call you out. You're not going to just wait for him to expose you because he'll do both. But you go call yourself out and you go expose yourself and you say, Lord, have mercy on me. See what I'm saying? Even now, I just feel it. And this is going to sound really weird because I'm not, I don't believe in, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't preach that the, that the reason why we live for God is so we can be prosperous in the world. I will not preach that. The reason why we live for God is because we live for God. He's the, he's the reward, right? It's not so we can get something. But I will say this because under the, under the unction of the spirit, I will say this. There are some of us 
who are not getting the thing that God has promised because you're not transparent. And when you pray, you pray amiss. You're praying out of order. You're praying inappropriately. Therefore, you're not praying according to God's will where it requires for you to be completely exposed. Amen. Amen. The reason why I know that Saul was not completely exposed is because he lied to Jonathan, his son. (laughs) You would think that if God gave you a tormenting spirit once, and then it came off of you somehow that you'd be like, dude, that was crazy. But no, came again. And it's because deep down inside of that wicked heart, we actually think we're hiding when we're not. So please, brothers and sisters, you want God's presence to fill you? Do you really desire for him to be in you so you can be victorious in every area of your life? I'm talking everything, that you can actually walk in the dunamis power of God, the power of God. You must throw yourself down, strip yourself, and be transparent before him. Women, you're not excluded. You're just as evil as men are. Some of them are like, yeah, that's right. You know that's true. Amen, Pastor. So what I want to hear, what I'm hoping for, and I don't want to take too much more time. I want to take about 10 minutes because I really feel like fellowship is important. But I want to take about 10 minutes, and I want to hear not, this is not a soapbox moment, okay? I want to hear what God is actually saying. So if you're feeling stirred, if there's truly a word that's going to point to this and and edify the church, I want to hear it. I think we all need to hear it, right? But it's not a time to talk about you, though you might be included in it. It's not about us. This is a time to, to speak as the Spirit of God is stirring what God is actually saying. Amen? Anybody at all? I don't know if this is on. It's a, uh, oh yeah. This one doesn't have a color. Okay. Uh, what the Lord showed me <clears throat> through this, verse nine, uh, but one day Saul was sitting at home with the spear in, in hand, right? That's not just an unnecessary fact. That's Saul sitting there contemplating sin. We know in his heart he wants to kill David. It's just God's grace keeping him from that. But he's sitting there. I, I want to feel this spear. I want to feel the heft of it in my hand. Because mm. he's sitting there contemplating it. We do the same thing. Like, oh, I, I, if it's the bottle, like I just want to feel the bottle in my hand. I just want to feel what it feels like to open it. You know, we're just mm-hmm. tempting ourselves. And Paul, or excuse me, Saul is sitting with that spear, just tempting himself. And so the Lord sends that spirit to say, okay, here's mm. who you are. And he throws the spear. And so it's just like this warning of don't tempt yourself. Don't even contemplate the sin. Mm. Let it be far from you. And then with the nakedness at the end, over and over, and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God's like, I will expose you. I will cause you to be naked. And it's, it's to show, to reveal. It's what he's did to Saul. Like, look at your heart. Mm-hmm. It's wicked. You will do the evil thing. It's only by his spirit that anything good is done. Wow. 
You know, the Bible says, don't let anyone say that God is tempting them, for God tempts no man. See the vastness of God? But he put the spirit on, he sent that spirit. Who are we, church, to try to psychoanalyze him? God tempts no man, but we are all tempted when we're drawn away by our own lust. And he was lustful for murder. Powerful, brother. And only God can keep us from becoming that, right? Hey, do you guys acknowledge that? God is the one that kept you from becoming a murderer. It sounds crazy because some of us think we're not capable of doing it. If you hate in your heart, you've murdered. Sister, you're all fired up right now. Go ahead. Actually, actually I'm feeling Mm -hmm. really humble right now. Um, I think I would be remiss if I, if I didn't share this with you guys, because I am very close to God, but I don't pay attention to the little things. He tries to show me. He tries to tell me. And then he has to hit me over the head with my daughter-in-law <laughs> to say, hello, I am here. Would you listen to me? Wow. So I think what he wants me to share is if you pay attention to the little things, I mean, he'll do the big things, but I think we miss so much along the way. I think he's been mm. reaching out to me in all kinds of ways, and I, I just haven't seen it. Can I pray for you? Michelle, can you lay a hand on our sister? Father, we thank you for the confession because it blesses all of us. Now, would you bless her? Thank you, Pastor. Right now, Father, remind her along the way That when you show her something and when you don't show her something, you are there in both. Thank you you for her confession. Thank you for her edification. Now I pray she be edified even the more. That your love be poured out Mm. and that you use her even more in this last stretch of her life and these coming years that you would pour her out for your glory. We ask this now in Jesus' name. is it's not about I could never look at church I could never do that I'm doing my part but this is why the sheep are so precious we're all sheep to God and and God is leading his sheep because his sheep know his voice and isn't it crazy that he led you here it's just so amazing and that doesn't say something about what God is doing here if, God, if this doesn't testify to us about what God is doing here, I don't know what will. I'm serious. I don't know what will. We're missing it if we don't see it. Only God can do it. Amen? One more. Anybody else? Merck, there's somebody you should raise their hand over here too? Oh, Elijah. I thought, where's Elijah? Oh, Ronnie. Okay, so Merck and then Merck. <laughs> Mercedes, I'm sorry. That's my nickname. My bad. My bad. Mercedes and it's then okay. Ronnie and then we'll close. So something that the Spirit has been speaking to me and just confirmed and basically what Dale was saying, what you were saying in the message, that, yeah, we're going to be tempted. And I used to think, like, okay, well, going based off of 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, I used to always think of this, and I twisted it in my own way. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. 
and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So I used to take it like, okay, when I'm tempted, he's going to give me a way out. It's going to be that easy. Like, you know, not recognizing that he gave me his spirit to know and be aware that I'm about to be tempted. That I am being tempted, but it's still possible for me to choose me and fall in that temptation and reject the spirit warning me. So, and you know, and I used to blame it and be like, well, God, I still did it. So you let me like, like you knew that this was going to happen. But the thing is, is I failed to recognize you warned me through the spirit. So that's all the Lord has been showing me. He empowered me. <laughs> and that needs to be, and that needs to be said because the switch from before to now I'm realizing that you're warning me, that whole transition is God's work. Like the, it's not you because you would have stayed the way you were going, but God's been merciful to you. So now you're like, I can see you're, you've been warning me. I'm not doing it again. I'm not going that way again. I can, I am recognizing your warning Lord. And that is God's mercy. Amen. That's God's mercy. Point your hands towards our brother. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing in his life right now. Thank you for the healing that's happening in his life. We pray right now, Father, that you, you grant him a sense right now, that forgiveness over everything, Lord. And we pray that you just continue to stir in him the calling that's on his life. Thank you that he was able to make it here today and hear this message. And we pray, Father, that every tormenting spirit that has ever lurked or lingered, be removed for good, and that the freedom of Almighty God, the increase of the Spirit, happen even more. It's, it's already been taking place, Father. So we know that you're going to continue to do it right now under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for, for hearing his heart and hearing his cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Ronnie. I just praise God because... Um, this message has been a blessing. And I believe that this message will bring about confession. Um, because I know the Lord, my heart has a tendency to make me think that I know the issue. Um, but praise God for his spirit because um, what he's showing me is that um, I first but I prayed this um, fall on good ground when I say we. Let us ask, um, but this is what I'm going to say. That I'm going to ask the Lord um, to show me what I'm hiding. So show me what I'm hiding, Lord. Amen. 
it sounds like a crazy question, right? But every single one of us in here, all right, let's just real quick. Papa, how long you been serving the Lord? How long? 35 years. 35 years. Over 20. Over 20? 20? 30 years. Yeah, what about you? Uh, I love you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, so a long time. Right here. 25 years. Listen to the numbers. Just listen. Have you arrived? Now, over those times, over that time period, were there things that came out later that you never saw were there before? So if that's true, and we're here now, there may be things coming later that we're not seeing now. So the hard posture is show me what I'm hiding because I don't know what's coming. Now I'm going to give you a little snapshot of a, a sermon because of this, which I know is God, that I'm going to be preaching on in this next season of preaching of rebellion and repentance and I'm going to be talking about doubt. I'm going to just show you something, okay? Jesus says to Peter in two different situations, he says in one, he says, you're going to deny me. And in the second, he says, Jesus talking about himself, I'm going to die. Now, when God says something, it's going to happen. It's, and we like it when we hear it about someone else. But when it's about you, struggle. He said, you're going to deny me. And Peter could not see this. That it, God knew this was in Peter before he ever presented this to him, right? God knows everything. So he said, you're going to deny me. And literally right there, Peter denies him. Because he denies what he said about him. Jesus said, you will deny me. And he says, I deny that. No, I won't. I'll die for you. So he was denying the word of the Lord. He should have said, expose my heart. Show me what I'm hiding. Later he says, Peter, I'm gonna, I must suffer. I must die. And he denies that word too. Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Later on in relationship. This is all of us, guys. So you see the doubt in that. I'm going to be talking about that in a couple weeks. Later on in the relationship, Jesus says, do you love me? Three times. This is the second encounter with Peter over this. And by the time he gets to the third one, he's, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, Yes, you know. Yes, you know. And then in his frustration and looking at Jesus, he finally comes to this realization and he says, Lord, you know all things. In other words, you know what I don't. It's good to see you, Lucy. 
Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. For the real work that you're doing in our hearts. And I ask that we all be edified and encouraged and that you bandage us up, Father, <laughs> after this word. That our wounds are laid before you and our, our humanity is laid before you, that you would care for us. We ask now, God, that you keep us from the evil one. Keep us from his lies and his schemes. Keep us from the human part of who we are and from putting confidence in ourselves. Keep us from ourselves and teach us to walk in your ways. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Love each other, mean it. Praise God.